You're listening to TNM Coaching Unplugged. TNM Unplugged features the diverse perspectives of a thriving global community of coaches, leaders, and experts. And it's all for you. And welcome everybody to Interconnected Podcast with Zoran Todorovic and TNM Unplugged Podcast as well. As you know, this is the space when you elevate your heart, your mind, your soul, and this week, your body to the next level of yourself. You know, this is the space when you get inspired with the new thinking, with the new original fresh thinking, with new tools, tips that will help and support your life to become the next version of yourself, to become the best possible version of you. And today we have a very special guest who is the friend and partner and also collaborator, somebody that I really got inspired with when I met him, you know, like six, seven, eight years ago. Tony Riddle is with us today. He is a natural lifestyle coach, author, record-breaking barefoot endurance athlete. And he is recognized as somebody who has created a natural lifestyle philosophy that encourages the modern people to reconnect to their wild behaviors in order to increase the physical, emotional, social, and spiritual wellness. And today we're going to be focusing on that. I think this is a bright time, bright place for this uh, recording. Um, As I was sharing last week uh, to some of the audiences, the the new value-based system that came out of Holland uh, was that people are focusing nowadays mostly on three most important values. And one of the most important values is health. It used to be that people were focusing on abundance, success, being able to be realized, being able to be, you know, um, business savvy. But nowadays, due to the last two and a half years of pandemic and transformation in the world, a lot of the people have shifted their values into number one value right now, which is being healthy, vital, sustainable, physically strong, having a strong stamina, and really building themselves up from inside out, as Tony said, on emotional, social, spiritual, and physical levels. So, Tony, welcome. Wow, man, what an intro. Zoran, you're a pro. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Usually, That's like the podcast usually, done. Where do we go from there, man? It's like, I love that. <laughs> Usually I do this really well and then people say, oh my God, how am I going to live to this expectation? But you are somebody who is remarkable and you're somebody who I, you know, see as a pioneer. I see that, you know, you are inspiring so many people in the UK and around the world to really connect to that, you know, wild behavior, wild side of themselves and to understand what does it mean to live with this natural lifestyle philosophy. So let's start with that. You know, you've developed that natural lifestyle philosophy. Can you just tell us more about this? What is the concept? Where would you like people to focus on? And how does it work in everyday life? Yeah, I'll start with the term rewilding. You know, um, in my mind, we're all innately wild, connected and empowered beings. So something happens from entering the world to where we are, perhaps, where we wake up one day and we go, oh, I'm just not happy. I'm just not this. And we have a benchmark of even success that we chase. But as you're alluding to, Success can mean many things. For my mind, it means being healthy in my body, in my mind. That's a successful being. And where I see myself in the world or even reaching my own potential to understand perhaps what even my purpose is. So I bring in the term rewilding because originally 
that's what my practice was. It was about rewilding humans. And everyone understood the context when it came to land. You know, you'd rewild the land or you'd bring back species to certain environments and then we'd hear about the trophic cascade, how it has a huge impact on that environment. But we forget about the human in that context, in that environment. And, and for me, you can rewild your gut, you can rewild your movement, you can rewild your sleep, you can rewild your very being, breathing even, right? Simple practices that are free even, right? It's free to move, it's free to sleep, it's free to breathe. But do any of us recognize there's a skill within that that, that will enable us to feel incredibly happy and connected and that wild empowered being that's within it so there are my practices really i hone in on uh, rewilding people's movement their digestion i choose digestion over food because it's such a complex subject food and really it's about how we how we assimilate how we digest how we absorb more than anything mm -hmm. what's the gut like how's the gut environment for that in that conversation um, and that can be the emotional brain that's involved with that as well. Mood, happy mood foods, super mood foods, um, how the digestion affects the mood, but how the mood affects digestion. Um, and the sleep and looking at those just basic fundamentals, you can suddenly see um, why that health is such a consideration for people now. Right. You can apply Maslow's hierarchy of needs to that template. And self-actualization being of course at the top of the pyramid and then at the base we have fundamental basic fundamental needs right like food and shelter i put movement in there i also put play in there uh -huh. you know um, i put breathing in there i put air quality in there i put sleep in there because they're the real basic fundamentals and yet if we're not successful in those how are we ever expecting to get this self-actualized beings but one with that environment and ourselves and we can walk around with the most powerful affirmations of saying i am happy i am connected um i am abundant sign all these things but quite frankly if the pyramid at the bottom hasn't been honored then how on earth are you expecting to get to this position of it'd be exhausting to walk around saying that idea all day but if you're in a place of feeling it and being it because you've nurtured that very base of the pyramid, then you stand far better chance. So for me, rewilding was the context of that. It was like, right, how do I introduce people back to ways of living that are more in sync with their human biology? And where could I look for that? And really it was indigenous cultures. Well, we can look to indigenous cultures to see what does movement look like if we haven't been compromised by the modern zoo? What does sleep look like if we haven't been compromised by the modern zoo? What does digestion look like? Um, what are simple things like, let's, let's just unpack sleep for a moment because it's such a powerful one. And I think if we were to talk about happiness, we can really picture, well, we all know what it's like not to have a great sleep. And we know how grumpy we feel until we've had a coffee. But is that natural to want to have a coffee to wake you up? Or should we just be waking up already in this empowered state first thing? And you look to the sleep studies, and we're led to believe, like in the human zoo again, that we need um, eight hours sleep, Zora. Everyone's going for this benchmark of eight hours, and when we're not getting it, we feel stressed about not getting it. So it adds just to the millades, right? Yet we look to independent tribes. There's been studies on three independent tribes by Professor Seagull, University of California, and three separate geographic locations. And 
they're not smashing in eight hours. It's between 5.7 and 7.1 hours. And they sleep and they wake, they sleep and they wake all the way through the night. And when they separated the study and looked at the Hadza, so they look at the Hadza who have been living the same way for tens of thousands of years. Um, nothing's changed on their landscape. It's still the same. There's no ching light bulb goes on at night. It's just, it is what it is. Um, and out of the 33 members throughout the whole night, they're only ever asleep together for 22 minutes. That's it. The rest wow. of it, yes. So they're doing their sleep waking throughout the night. Um, what's different? Air quality. So what could we do in the home? So part of my coaching would be, okay, let's have a look at your sleep environment. Let's sort the air quality out because if you've been in the same environment for eight hours a night, we should be considerate of what we're inhaling or ingesting even through our skin, right, in that environment. And how do we make that more organic so we can rewild that? That would be a natural kind of lifestyle coaching practice would just be to look at just the organic materials and the organic air within the environment. Then we look at um, lighting, how we make the lighting match what would be within the hazard. So it would be a fire. So we know there's biological darkness. So they don't have bright green and blue spectrums that create 600 plus lux of light in the bedroom, yeah. which will be synced to what daylight is, you know, um, which will then knock out your circadian rhythm and all your sleep hormones and also your digestion because those same sleep hormones like melatonin are associated with um, suppressing that the hormones that are associated with I need to eat or I've had enough, you know. Yes. So we still get triggered to need to eat in the evening once we get to a certain time because melatonin isn't present because of lighting, right? So there we go. Um, so that's lighting. Then we have the information that we're receiving before bed. So the Hadza in this case will have a fire burning, right? Mm-hmm. And the fire is an opportunity. I did a big retreat at the weekend and fire plays such a huge role in that. So the fire allows us to. Um, share stories, wisdom, um, celebration, ceremony, integration, as well as warmth, of course, and cooking, all those practices. Um, When we, what we have is a television or even reduce that right down to a little screen like this. And and the problem with this alert staring into a small window like this, it creates something else, which is an alert state. It's more symptom, it's more of a sympathetic nervous system trigger staring with really acute eyesight, Um, whereas panoramic, opening up the visual field is associated with parasympathetic rest and digest. And only really when we're outside in those environments can we really fully play and stretch with that. So we've replaced basically firelight with TV, then even smaller. And so we can see then that's what that screen will do is also a potent hit of that blue and green spectrums of light that are associated with daylight, um, not sleepy hormones. And then it's what information we receive. So if you're watching the news at 10, horror movies, um, murder, um, muggings, all kinds of things that are coming in, that's toxic information to be receiving in the evening, which also will then raise that same level of that, that fight and flight sympathetic response. As well, anxiety, because sometimes when you yeah. kind of think about watching the action, you know, that kind of activates you, you're saying that it activates sympathetic nervous system, and then, you know, that transfers into the dream as well. You know, sometimes for myself, when, I, <laughs> when I'm not rigorous, and I watch something on, let's say, Netflix, and it's really, really action-driven, I know that translates into my dreams, into my dream state, and how I feel in the morning, it's all there. 
Yeah, so that's so that's where I'd go. Just simple things. So I always say that what's in the home environment? We we spend um, part of the philosophy is this that we have to also um, recognize where we're at. So Zoran, has, you know, I have to work, Tony, till 10 p.m. This, this evening. I have to be on my screen. I can't not do it. So what can I do? Okay, we can wear things like amber glasses. Boom. Right, that will help deal with the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can then use down-regulation breathing techniques. So I can work with a specific breathing pattern that will help deal with the anxiety or the stress response that I've triggered. Mm-hmm. So I can be doing that. Then I can immediately after my screen time go into biological darkness, which can mean amber light, firelight, or blacked out room, and work through breathing cycles. And there's simple breathing apps that allow you to tune into a sound rather than you having to count. And the issue I have with counting mm-hmm. is again, it's a chemical metabolic cost. And for some, they're overthinking just counting. Did I get the number right? Did I draw my square box of box breathing? Whereas a, a sound just goes bing, bing. Yeah. And it's a tone of like four seconds in, six seconds out. The reason you extend the exhale then is because it lowers heart rate, lowers blood pressure. So they're, they're simple tips. It can be um, within the home environment. In the UK especially, 83% of the UK live in urban environments, right? Okay. You're not about to go out to the wild. You're not about to go out to the forest and live. This is the, re- this is the reality of it. And we spend 90 plus percent of our time indoors. Mm-hmm. So what can we do in my philosophy is, well, I introduce people to ways of living that are more in sync with human biology outside, but also inside. Because if 90% of the time is inside, we have to get to grips with that environment. Mm-hmm. And so part of that rewilding context is to say, well, get out to nature spots when you can in your incremental time within your day that you can honor, but also then really open up your senses while you're out there. So it's trying expose more of your senses and that might mean the visual field it could mean hearing it could be what we inhale it could be through our skin through getting even our bare feet into the soils have a sensory experience a grounding experience a microbiome experience and then journal that how does that experience how is that experience the studies show that you know like 20 percent of your time um 20 it takes 20 minutes sorry um to lower your heart rate blood pressure in nature but if you bring breath work in you already lower heart rate and blood pressure so you can almost go well if i move naturally i'm in a natural environment and i breathe naturally that's like a trifecta you have three practices there that will really down regulate in that environment and then we can also think well how do i bring that inside so you can bring more organic materials inside into the everyday environment you can still move in your everyday environment and you can still breathe in your everyday environment so they're like three things you can really get a handle on that I, I have a book and in the book those practices are in there and it's mainly around movement and play, breathing and being, sleeping and resting, eating and digesting, and then this indoor and outdoor living. And I think it's, it's really valuable. I, I, held, um, my, I held a retreat at the weekend called Be More Human and I introduced people to this practice and we really got to see purpose at the weekend because one, a lot of practices like movement, play and breath, I then took them into nature immersion And yet I stopped them just before entering the forest. And it was this language of trust the process, respect the process, um, be patient whilst in the process. And then when you finally figure out that this is all process, just be, because we are that process, right? So then I asked them to just put blindfolds on, I've given them. So now they're blindfolded. 
and they walk with their hands on the shoulders of the person in front of them. Mm-hmm. And the person who's leading has their eyes open and I weave them through the forest and I take one off from the back and I drop them into the forest, sit them under a tree in a specific location, mm-hmm. ask them to complete 100 cycles of breath to tune into the scents and the sounds of where they are mm-hmm. and then to take their goggles off, right, their blindfolds. Mm-hmm. And it's like seeing the world almost for the first time in real high de- definition. And that's what we have within us. But what that enabled them to do is really kind of get this understanding that, you know, humans are part of nature and nature is part of us. We're interconnected. We are one thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's largely what the real understanding of that philosophy is. And for most of those people, it was such a profound, deep experience for them. Of course. But they have something then to take away. You could be anywhere. You could be on Hampstead Heath doing that practice. You could be in um, in Richmond. You could be, you know, there's. You could, well, you're in. Are you in Ibiza now? Yeah. You know, you could again anywhere. You can take that practice, and it just opens things up. To it's almost like the next level. We were joking. It was like forest bathing on steroids. You know, it really. <laughs> but then they came away with this real understanding of what it was to be nature, and then they went through a foraging practice. And foraging became this, and I have a big section on, you know, eating naturally, but it's about absorption again. So from the being nature to the senses being open, we have a foraging expert called Tasha. She guided them through a sensory foraging experience. So rather than pick this, this does this, or don't pick that, or pick this, or pick five things, this was feel that, smell that, just taste that, you know? And you're priming this whole digestive system. And if we went back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, to um, the pyramid, and we said food is at the bottom of that pyramid. And, and Zoran, we were moving through a landscape, you know, and we were so plugged in mm-hmm. that we're feeling, we're experiencing. Our whole digestion is primed for that. And we ingest this food and we're absorbing all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we compare that to... I'm a stressed out urbanite, right? I've spent 99% of my time indoors. I haven't really slept that well because my lighting's been out. I've been answering emails first thing, typing and swiping. And um, I've just got time. I'm going to run in, grab a coffee on the way and a croissant. I'm going to wolf it down, jump on the tube, and I'm heading into work immediately. And then we ask who had their food need met. And then we can see that we're basically at the bottom of the pyramid, literally scratching away at the seeds at the bottom of the pyramid, trying to get basic need of food even met, you know? And this is where the core of the philosophy is. It's just really to step back and observe and think, okay, how does this look like? What does this look like in nature? What does the template look like? And how can I even just offer a few simple practices that I can contribute into into that daily norm? so that we get back to a position where um, we, we reconnect with more natural norms. Like there's, a new, there's a social norm, but sometimes that social norm is perceived as socially extreme, right? you know, like running the length of the UK barefoot, but, you know, or running up mountains barefoot. That, that is socially extreme, but also it proves that it's also biologically normal. We can do it. So awesome. that's, yeah. It's possible, you know, and I think... We, we, that's the connection. It's just like we're innately wild, connected, empowered beings. Why are we not enabled? Why are we not thriving? Why are we just surviving in these everyday environments? Because we have, there's, a, there's abundance there somewhere, right? 
-hmm. You know, we have more materialistic want than we could ever imagine, yet there's still this, am I successful? Am I successful as a thriving, happy human being? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to the audience or people who are listening? And some of, I know my audience well, some of the people are living in the big cities, like somebody who is tuning in from, let's say, New York or, you know, Dubai, let's go extreme, you know, Shanghai. <laughs> when you have 27 million people living in the urban jungle and they listen to you and they, they go to the website, they read the book and there is this question, how do I do this here? I know you mentioned already, you know, creating the environment within your, your house to stim- simulate the natural way. So there, there's, a, there's a way to do it. But I would like you just to expand, if you can, a little bit more to that question. You know, I love what Tony is saying. I know he's right. I want to do this. And how do I do it within yeah. this city environment, so to say? I think firstly is to kind of wave your wand over any environment that you live in. And bit by bit, because this can be a financial thing as well for some, right? It can be, well, the funds it takes to do that. So the most expensive, I guess, thing would be to start switching out things in your home and replacing them bit by bit with organic materials. Mm -hmm. The bedroom, eight hours of your life will be spent in that bedroom, sleeping, whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. in that bedroom. And try and keep it to that. Bedrooms are for sleeping, lovemaking, yeah? they're not for typing, swiping, and office work. So it's trying to firstly get, the, get that stuff out of the bedroom and incorporate what we really should be having in that habitat. Rewild the bedroom. Yeah, sacred um, space, so to say. Yes, a ritualistic space that you honor your sleep. And then, you know, it's a practice that you start to refine, put more attention on it, become more skilled within that. You could spend a month just working on the sleep environment. Rather than going, right, I need to do, oh, no, I need to work on breathing, my plants, my air quality, this. Just concentrate on the bedroom. How do I really hone in on the skill of being a, a rewilding sleeper? Or um, Sean Stevens, I think he, he calls it sleep smarter. Create a sleep sanctuary would be his term, right? Rewild the sleep habitat. And then once you get the habitat right, the habits start to change within it, right? And then you have rewilding habits and habitat. So the bedroom switch out inorganic materials for organic materials. Mm -hmm. And then you could stretch that out, right, to, well, maybe what I'm ingesting. So that could be what you put on your skin or in your mouth, Mm -hmm. um, switch from inorganic to organic over time. Not always possible. It's budget-related, but... But with intention, you know, it's doable. Everybody can find a way. By bit, by bit, make the switch. So, and then what we start to do is we we normalize that thing, you know, so then it has like a cascade again. It has this effect because the consumer almost drives mm-hmm. that model, you know. So the more and more we start to demand, well, actually what I put on my skin and what I ingest, I want it to be more organic. And then think, well, what's the material within those environments that I'm seeing and hearing? How do I make that more organic? And maybe okay. the times of day I choose to do that. Mm-hmm. So through every sense you're experiencing through, you're trying to make this switch or this trade from inorganic to organic because inorganic consumption will lead to inorganic behaviours and being over time, right? It could be, you could put pornography in that, in that yeah. box, right? Where would that lead us in our behaviors and our being over time? Um, then if we said, okay, so 
in the rest of that living experience, what could we do bringing nature in? Um, you can bring plants in. Plants are not that expensive to bring into an environment, but they bring in something amazing for our kind of ancestral eyes, something to really stimulate the eye. You can get that through images. There's lots of studies now on flip books where they take you through images of storms and you get a sympathetic state, and then they take you through an image of something quite serene, and then you get parasympathetic. Or they take you through an image of urban setting, sympathetic, take you through a forest, parasympathetic. So even just seeing an image of the city versus an image of the forest can do that. So if you find yourself living in a high-rise apartment block, bring lots of nature images in. You can even get amazing wallpaper now that can stretch the whole wall that will give you a forest scene. That will be incredible for that. Um, Then you can look at the the smells, like the terpenes. With terpenes in a forest is the um, phytonicides, so they're like the... um, they're like um, kill viruses as well. But think, think of the aromatherapy within the home environment. So terpene. So aromatherapy senses smells that you can bring in as well. So then you have nature scene, smells, plants. Mm. You can go up a level and you can bring air purifying systems in, you know, like an air purifier that will re- remove 99.9% of air impurities within that environment. Mm. Um, then if you're, I ground sit, so I'm on the ground right now. We don't have any sitting furniture at home. Um, I love about you. First time I saw it there, yes. <laughs> you know, there's like 100 different rest positions that you can adopt, right? And we choose the chair. Now, again, this workshop I did, this retreat I did at the weekend, I was just reintroducing people to ways of sitting on the floor. And to begin with, there's discomfort because we've created right. such a convenience that the very basic sitting positions that enable us to stand in the first place are now uncomfortable. So the more, the more you tune into them, of course, the more comfortable they become over time. There's a series of those in my book, but also I have some um, tutorials and things like that we can add in there. Mm-hmm. That's for guests, yeah, um, for your audience. And then, um, so I, I play between different rest positions. Each one of those rest positions means this, Aaron. If I work from home, um, and I'm already saying I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the time to go to yoga. I don't have the time to go to the gym. I, I'm already overwhelmed. But I spent 18 hours on my Mac, uh, on my computer behind a desk. Take the desk onto the. Take the desk down. Spend um, more time on the floor, and you move from one different rest position, sitting position, on the floor to the next. I'm getting. Um, eight hours of mobility and movement in whilst working, you know, just literally switching from one position to the next. You could set timers up. So within 20 minute ding, 25 minute ding, an hour, whatever it is, you can get up and move around. It's free, right? Mm-hmm. There's no gym membership with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to pay for one-to-ones to get you in these incredible flexible positions because you just have that within you. You just have to tune into it and you have it. What you said before you continue, I think it's important to say it is not comfortable to begin with, but then it becomes extremely comfortable because the more you practice that movement, the more your body is responding and reacting, the more you're feeling it, and then you begin to enjoy it, you know, because yeah. there's joy in the movement, right? Absolutely. Like the squat, for instance. We mm-hmm. see squatting as a form of exercise. In nature, it's a natural rest position. That's People it. give birth in it, they poop in it, they eat in it, everything, and then they just stand up and walk off, you see? And And also your weight is always in the same position on your feet. And there's a chemical metabolic cost for that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so when we're standing up and we're squatting, it's always the same weight distribution. Mm-hmm. And it makes the, the feet become incredibly strong, functional. The ankles understand their role, which is mobility. Mm-hmm. The knees are stable. The hips are mobile. The lower back becomes more stable and the mid back becomes more mobile. And the head position gets adjusted within that. So all the sites where me as a movement practitioner back here somewhere, I would see knees, lower back, necks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the areas that should be incredibly stable were not stable anymore and all the areas that should be mobile were no longer mobile mm-hmm. so if we get sitting a chair for a long period of time firstly we don't get a signal to tell us to change shape mm-hmm. we just become incredibly um, efficient at doing this yes. and we get and we get more and more rounded in the back because it's just yes. gravity right yes whereas if we start to rest in certain rest positions on the floor that discomfort is natural. You get a signal. There's a, there's a, there's a, oh, this, oh, feeling that now. That's your cue. Change shape. Next shape. Next shape. Next shape. And you keep changing shape. And we have the most incredible ability to shape shift, even to the point you and I can impersonate all kinds of animals, really, in our movement practice, right? You know? Yeah. And that, and that when you get into, when you understand that, how playful that can be, you also understand that. Doesn't that make burpees and squat thrusts just really boring when we can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's organic. It's moving from one uh, one position to another position. There is like that motion that it's really easy 100%. to follow. And, and, and okay. what it will also feed is that it, you get, again, the appropriate actions in the joints, whether that's mobility or stability, depending on their, their own role. Um, there's an understanding of, well, standing desks, standing desks are great. Standing desks are great. I mean, firstly, if your HR department allows it, but if you're from home, you're, you, you know, you, you're, you have permission, it's your environment. But understand this, sitting with poor posture is just as detrimental and standing is just as detrimental with poor posture. Mm-hmm. So it's the ground rest positions help um, nourish and rewild mm-hmm. the understanding where your weight is and the joint actions and feed your biostructure. I call it a biostructure, right? Your superstructure. Mm-hmm. It's about getting the foundations in and then allowing the superstructure to perform how it should, which again, we're innately wild, connected, empowered beings. This, this posture, it doesn't really feel wild and connected, empowered, right? But if we start to understand how to open this up, firstly, it's much more open here. Respiratory system improves for it. Right, we're much more open, much more loving, much more receiving. I would say within that position. Yeah, the heart opens up, you know, as well because yeah. from there, when then your posture is open, your heart is engaged as well. And all of that from suddenly that was working for eight hours a day. We just unpack that, you know. Yeah. And it might not, you might not be on the floor for eight hours a day. That might be just too much. That's okay. Maybe do an hour or and break it up to a bit of sitting in a chair, a bit of standing, a bit of groundwork. That's brilliant. And there's so much more movement and variety within that than just sitting in a chair. And if you have kids and they're in that urban environment we're talking about and they're loving Netflix right now or gaming, part of the condition is, well, you get on the floor and you do it on the floor. You do all those ground rest positions on the floor, you know? So Netflix binging can be broken up with, I call it shin boxes, shin box sitting for next box sitting, you know? It's like, you can, you can change things up. It doesn't have to be so compromising. You know, we can start to get back in the body. And I think that's, that's the terms like embodiment, right? It's just, yeah. You know, back in our bodies. Back in ourselves, back in our bodies and retraining ourselves, learning 
to be and and to uh, act differently. I think that you know conditioning is extremely important and deconditioning. So somehow we ended up observing other people through our lives. We ended up observing the environments we tend to understand because we heard animals, humans. Oh, this is how everybody else is doing. This is exactly how I should be doing. So if if everybody is sitting in the office for nine, 10 hours in that position and I'm newly employed, I should do the same. So I think it's part of re-education that right now we need to do it differently. All templates, right? And it starts so early. You know, we have last trimester in the womb through to the age of seven. It's all our templates. We observe everything. We record everything, you know, in deep frequencies that you and I can only dream of in a meditation. These young beings are walking around in that the whole time, literally sucking in their future because they're observing it from us, right? And so if anything, don't do it for you. Do it for the children. And, this, and that, that isn't out to parents. That's mm. understanding it takes a village to raise a child. They're all our children. This is, should be, we should all be tuning in. How do we become the best examples of us, not just for us, but for those generations that are observing what it is to be us, you know? Exactly. And learning from us, exactly. Modeling behaviors and replicating yeah. and support. And it doesn't mean even what's said. It's, it's really how we behave, what our being is. They pick up on that frequency of what, what we're putting out there into the world. And, and also, the, I guess it's the transparency, how, how transparent we are, because they know, you know, they know the honesty and dishonesty. They can feel it. They're, they're in that frequency. They, they pick up on that immediately. So it's, mm-hmm. I guess there's that, there is that template. And I think within, of course, in work environments, then it's being the best example of who we are. But also I'd like to add that having compassion, um, I held a, an event, it's called the 100 Human Experience, and it's like over two days, and it's incredible, 100 beings together. And I center it around a fire, and we start with practices like play and movement, and then they go out into breath work, into, and they play, and then they come back to the circle, then go out to breath work, then come back. Um, then ice baths, then come back to the fire. And we integrate always around the fire. Then they go back out, cacao ceremony, and then back out, ecstatic dance. It's like this for two days, this flowing. And it closed with this practice of alignment by one of my coaches, Chris. And he started us all around the fire, Soren. And we're all in this big circle, right? 100 human circle. And we're kneeling or sitting or squatting or standing, whatever was comfortable. And he'd ask a question and it could be anything. You know, if you felt that, you know, before you came here today, um, whether you would be able to live in your truth or speak your truth, um, take a step forward. If you don't feel you're there, take a step back. And it was a series of questions and it went, it was such an amazing process. Watching people sometimes take like several steps forward and then a few steps back, and then others going backwards, back, 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 and then taking more steps. So we'd all finish at these different um, steps forward or back towards the fire. And so, and he finished it with, you know, so the idea of this compassion is to understand that everyone, every single one of us, we, although we're on this path, this purpose, this understanding of alignment and what it might be, is we're all at different stages on that journey, you know? But what was very powerful about this, you know, innately wild and connected beings is he just said, reach over, you know, and you'll find that you can touch the person next to you. And some are like way over here or you might have to reach them with a foot, but suddenly a hundred humans connected again, you know, and they connected with the understanding we're all in this. It's interdependent, of course, Mm -hmm. but we're also on different parts, stages of our journey. 
you know, and to have compassion for those that are perhaps yeah. not quite there yet, or, or maybe they're way ahead and we see them as extreme in what they're doing, you know. I love that. I love that you mentioned compassion for other human beings and, and being able to really fully feel that because, you know, we are all ahead of each other on a certain level, we behind, but we're in this together. I mean, you feel that deeper connection and compassion to yourself as well, because sometimes when I coach people, they want to do things very quickly. You know, they, they come into the coaching conversation, like I want to recreate my life now, 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 now. And it becomes, becomes even more intense with the digital environment when everything is so fast. And then they lose motivation, they lose the will, they lose ability to follow the process and to be within the process in a deeper compassion to themselves, understanding that they need to move through it. So I think that element of compassion to yourself, right? I'm in the process. I'm working with myself. I'm the best possible version of me and I'm going forward. And then compassion with others is what makes it really potent and rich, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's the compassion and the patience, right? It's the patience within a process, like this patience. So I held a retreat um, this weekend. We called it Be More Human, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was my, it's, a, it's, a fir- it's, re- it's a retreat as an ambassador now, first ambassador out of 42 acres, this retreat space. I held a retreat, the first one there ever, seven years ago, right? That was my first retreat was out of there. Six years ago to this, where we are now, this, this period of time around Beltane, right? Um, I held a men's retreat. It was a week-long men's retreat, and it was full of different rites of passage. You know, breathwork was in there. Um, some plant medicine was in there. We built shelters in the woods. We found clay in the woods, and we built our own wood-burning stoves with chimneys. Amazing. They had to, we all slept in the woods that night ice baths, just, in, just amazing movement, even to a point where I opened up with a ceremony of just ground rest positions and crawling and walking, low gate walking. You weren't allowed to stand up. Mm-hmm. And I then said, no standing for the rest of the day. It's a completely honest practice. We're doing this now till the evening when we have a fire ceremony for some seven in the morning till 9 p.m. at night. Wow. No standing. Yeah, really intense. And so that you could see the efficiency then of what we were trying to become. We worked as a team. It came to like finishing lunch and you couldn't, you didn't want to walk your bowl to the dishwasher. Everyone just lined up and passed them like this as they were crouching down on the floor or sitting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, after that retreat had finished, um, there was like a five, four day window. I arrived home. Katerina was heavily pregnant and um, the midwife hadn't arrived and Katerina had created this really amazing spiritual kind of womb room and it was white, white everywhere and going through hypnobirthing, so relaxed and just the proper spiritual kind of channeling the, 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 um, the right moment, I would say, that the, the divine moment of which the baby would come. Midwife hadn't arrived. I ha- I'm then catching the baby. You know, it's my, I'm, I'm now mid- midwifery Tony. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm holding up Tallulah like Lion King moment. I hand her to um, Katerina. Mm-hmm. Within two days, I'm then back at 42 Acres for my next retreat. And that retreat is for journalists and influencers, right? And so I am smashed open. I've just done this rites of passage men's retreat. Arrive home at the ultimate rite of passage of all. Earth. Yeah, and then I'm there holding retreat, and, and I was like, right, I'm not starting the retreat until the next morning. I'm going to cook everyone dinner, and we just sit around, and we'll all have a chat. 
And it was the first time, Zoran, where really I, I, I kind of told a story, you know, whereas before that it had been all the practical steps to living a natural lifestyle and, and me not being there on my journey yet six years ago, you know, it just hadn't reached where I, I think, well, where I feel I'm at now, right? And that's the patience within a coaching practice, not just who you're coaching, but the coach themselves, right? Because coaches need coaches. And um, I, I'm sitting at the table, and, I, and as, I'm, as I'm communicating, they all went in a chorus, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. So that's six years ago, because Tallulah's birthday is now, right? You know, between that men's retreat and that retreat, and that's like the intention goes in, and that's where I would say compassion and patience, because that's reached fruition now, but tension was like six years ago being, yeah, yeah, making, yeah, it's that's that's the seed almost, and then it ta- can take several people to show you where to even plant the seed, others to show you how to water it even and to care for it. And then it will grow. And I think that's, we sometimes get lost in that. And I think that's where I say, you know, this trust the process, be respectful of the process, but be patient within it, you know, because we can be in such a rush to get somewhere. I, there was a 17 year old on my workshop, mm-hmm. the retreat this weekend. And one of the attendees said, oh, could you imagine if you, if you were 17 in that position? I'm about to turn 47. And I said, I can, but don't, don't um, dishonor all those years because actually that's, there's incredible knowledge and knowledge gained, experiences gained, which enables wisdom over that time. So for some, you might look around and go, oh, they're incredibly successful overnight. Mm-hmm. But this person here may be successful here, may be successful here, maybe may, might even in this lifetime. But you think of what's the wisdom or the, not the experiences that they've gained during that time. So if someone ever said, you know, what would you say to your younger self? It would be have compassion and, and definitely be patient in what you're doing because there's magic in that stuff. There really Absolutely. Is. And I also share this with, with, with younger audience as well and with my kids also. When it comes to patience, again, you know, that, that we need to be rewired in our brain because due to the digital nature of, of technology that we're experiencing right now, everything is instantaneous. So that lack of patience between the real life and the digital life and how do you play with that dimension, you know, because if you swipe or like, or, you know, go there, everything is happening so quickly that we keep forgetting that nature moves differently. Yeah. I was just on a trip in Africa, you know, with my son and I came back and uh, people asked me, how, how, how was it? I said, the most beautiful thing that I experienced there, it's the pace. Yeah. People are moving slowly gently i felt that i was plugged into the natural rhythm of the nature and i was able to fully relax my body was like ah this is the movement this is the rhythm this is the pace this is the speed it's not like ah now 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 always delayed always running from one meeting to another picking up kids from the school going to activities doing this doing that you know there's always some kind of rush and there i felt like okay this is the natural rhythm this is Mm. how nature actually moves and I think that through your work, we need to kind of recondition once again, reprogram, give permission to people to move within that pace that requires patience. Because as we know, when you plant a seed, exactly as you said, it takes time, right? Yeah, and no, I think, you know, as you've just mentioned there, like sometimes we have to take ourselves out of those everyday environments. So although we've said, then what can we be doing if you're living in a city, you don't have just try and, you try and get yourself out, try and find... Um, let's say if you would, let's really ramp it up. 95% of your time was indoors. 
So just 5% is outdoors. Now, I don't mean 5% in the supermarket, on the tube, in a car. They're still indoors, 5% outside. And try and make that as natural experience, organic experience as you can, right? Because it's when you get outside those everyday environments, it creates a breathing space, a moment there to tune into what you've said there. There's a frequency to it, isn't there? There's a, there's a rhythm to it, and it's a natural rhythm to it. So if, if the science shows us, it's a shame we need the science, right? Because we all know it when we're in there, right? We, we experience it. We, we know what it is when it's in our being, but it helps. And so within that, within that science, they're telling us that it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes in nature. So if you can find 20 minutes to get to a green space, even if that means just closing your eyes and just try and, just try and breathe up through your nose and out through your nose, but into your belly as you're doing it, trying to think right into the belly, out the belly, up through the nose, out through the nose. And, you know, six cycles, if you had like four seconds in, six seconds out, that's just a minute of breath. That's all it takes, right? Two minutes of breath, three minutes of breath. Whatever you feel that you have time for, that's free. That doesn't cost you anything, but you'll have a profound sense of being after it, right? And then that gives you a better understanding of what it is we miss and what it is we're experiencing in those upregulated times. I think largely we have to get used to this understanding, well, why is it we're all upregulated? Why is it we only when we go to nature we can get this experience, right? So surely it means that, ah, I need to reconnect to this more. So if I keep reconnecting more to this, I'll have that, that profound sense of well-being will come through. But again, I can also take some of that and bring it over here in the indoor environment to enhance that. So it's just, again, templates, always the templates of where we can take that experience. There's a, there's a, a newspaper report, Eden Project had just replaced the kiddies' playground area um, the grass area with fake grass because they were worried about the kids getting dirty. And someone posted it up in my mm -hmm. online community, this NetLife tribe that I run. And so I was like, ah, so firstly, compassion and patience came up. But I found another article because I was studying this one in Finland and they took mm -hmm. um, kindergartens or playgrounds and they rewilded the playground. They brought forest floors in and they bought planter boxes for the kids to get their hands in. And within 28 days, they noted a, ma noted a massive shift in their microbiome and their T cells, right? You know, their natural killer cells for fighting viruses. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. microbiome just by introducing that. And then we're not even talking about just the other sensory stuff. Just on that level would just enough to suggest, you know, that's 28 days with just a small window of time outside. Yes. So, and reconnect with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I was just wanting to comment. Tell us how quickly we can transform and change. So tell us about the book. You know, the book is interesting. It's coming up on 26th of May. Uh, we're recording today, beginning of May. It's in pre-order. Or Be More Human. I mean, how, how good is that title? I mean, it's just like, when I saw it, I was like, wow. Yeah, you know, how to transform your lifestyle for optimum health, happiness, and vitality. Um, I, you know, we, what we first we were going down this path of reboot, reconnect, rewild, but I think it, it's difficult for us to understand what this rewilding means. You know, I, you know, do we? We're living in urban environments again, and people can't really relate to that. And I don't think really, what indigenous people want to be associated with being wild either. I mean, right? <laughs> so, um, it, what is it to be more human? I think that's that's there's so there's a philosophy there within the book. Of course, there's my story in there. There's um, 
from endurance events that I entered, you know, I was born with club foot as a child, wore braces in my first early years to try and get my feet from this position back to somewhere in natural alignment. And then in my mid forties, I take up endurance barefoot running, you know, so there's, there's a lot to unpack there, even in those stories. Mm-hmm. And then there's some chapters around breathing and being, moving and playing, sleeping, resting, eating, drinking, and that indoor and outdoor living. But there's some real kind of philosophy in there again. And there's the conversation of how that looks in nature and how it looks in our everyday environment. And here's the steps that we could make to transforming, or let's call it rewilding, rewilding those environments, you know, to, again, which it says how to transform your lifestyle from mm-hmm. health to happiness and vitality. Again, it's not enough to walk around saying I'm happy if your environments um, aren't growth promoting um, and your habits within those habitats aren't growth promoting. So it's simple tools. Most of it is free. It's only really when you look at the perhaps the eating and drinking chapter that you would think, oh, okay, maybe there's a shift here. But the breathing being, sleeping, resting, indoor and outdoor living, especially the moving and playing work. It's really some profound stuff in there about happy hormones, hormones that are associated with, of course, making human connection. And, mm. and um, I call it the happy hormone shaker. You know, you, you, get a, a happy hormone, you get happy hormones, you put them in, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, give them a good shake and pop out, pops a happy human. <laughs> and there's that, that kind of language within the play chapter. So, yeah, it's on pre-order now, and publication date is 26th of May. Very exciting time for me. It's been a long time in making that song. Absolutely. But you, you're patient, you're dedicated, you're committed, and there you are I mean, your service to humanity. So if you want to learn more about Tony, you can go to TonyRiddle.com. We're going to kind of uh, link all of the description links and all the social media, link to the pre-order of the book and the book itself in the description of this podcast. Tony, a few last words. Where would you like to leave audience with? You know, we talked a lot. I think we drilled into some important piece. We unpacked the sleep, which I think this is what wants to happen. You know, sometimes we record, we just allow the energy to be with us. And then we zoom into certain things and we zoom out. We manage to zoom in. So where would you like to leave audience with? Um, I, I think going back into that, you know, we're innately wild, connected, empowered beings and just, you know, trust that, trust it, be patient, respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, take the time, you know, to maybe sit with it, sit with yourself, be intimate with yourself in that sense, you know. Um, there's something that we've lost, I feel, with this device in our hands, and it's those intimate moments where we can just sit and be. Yeah. And so, if anything, take the time just to sit, breathe, observe, you know. Mm-hmm. And remember that those younger generations are observing you. And I am so grateful that younger generations can observe you. They can learn from you. They can get inspired because I think you're a beautiful force for good. You're such an amazing human being who is really modeling what's possible, who is also stretching the boundaries and who has a big heart and compassion. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope that the audience is going to be uplifted, inspired, and then prompted to connect to Tony and to order the book. Get the book. I'm going to get many, many copies and share with my friends, community, network, especially really? now. Now we need this more than ever. This is, this is what I kept on saying. Now is the time for you to embrace that knowledge and to really become playful with learning from Tony. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Zoran, awesome. Great chat. Love you, man.
Brilliant. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for so much for tuning in and for listening to this podcast every week. And we love you and we leave you and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>